Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is Wednesday, August 23rd. We are ever closer to the start of the season. This morning, posted at TigerIllustrated.com, Paul Strilo and I teaming up for an in-depth and meaty football insider, addressing a lot of the questions posed by our subscribers. Always a lot of fun to do that. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold, based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at Solero Commerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O Commerce.com. Okay, loved this conversation we had earlier today with former North Carolina Chancellor Holden Thorpe, who's currently editor-in-chief of Science Magazine. Zero sugarcoating from this guy about his tenure at UNC or the current state of affairs in college athletics. This is a must-listen. Here we go. Enjoy. Pleased to be joined by former North Carolina Chancellor Holden Thorpe. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Great to talk to you, Larry. Absolutely. Um, as I was just telling you before I hit record, um, your interviews, the two interviews you've done, I think, I think it's two over the last year or so with uh, colleague Joe Gilio and Joe Ovius. Ovius, is that how you pronounce his name? Sorry. Yeah, it is. Um, have been just really fascinating mainly because of the insight that you can impart from having been a part of a lot of realignment discussions before obviously the current presidents can't really say a whole lot <laughs> and so no um, and and you know i think what i'm trying to do is just help people understand cuz this what's going on because the secrecy that surrounds all of this, you know, ends up creating all these misperceptions about how all this works that in the long run are not really healthy for for the universities or for college athletics. Off the top of your head, what what, what do you think some of the, like the top two or three misper- misperceptions, misconceptions are that are out there that you just look at and sort of shake your head at? Well, I think, and this is certainly a big thing for Clemson, um, although I don't know the details as well as I know them for North Carolina, but I think that the number one thing that people tend to forget about is the state politics. So, you know, you have 
<clears throat> two big sports schools in South Carolina with Clemson and and USC, and there's rivalry among the fan bases, and there's political rivalry as well because they're both competing for state funds, and uh, they have to work with politicians who have allegiances to one school or the other, and that is a huge overlay on all of these things. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people remember that, uh, you know, Virginia Tech and Virginia's, their relationship had a lot to do with how Virginia Tech ended up in the ACC, and you've seen this fallout when UCLA left uh, with Cal, with the governor getting upset. And um, I think people tend to think, oh, this makes sense to put this school this here and this school there. But they don't realize that the state politics can be a very, very important part of all this. And certainly, um, uh, you know more about it than I do, but it uh, has to be extremely important for Clemson and, and USC. It's interesting you, you, you say that, and I, I saw you said uh, on your previous interview uh, that that in a previous round of possible expansion, I guess back in, um, I guess back in 11, uh, there was talk of Florida State leaving and that you were close friends with Florida's president at the time, uh, Bernie Matchin. That's correct, yeah. And that your understanding at the time was over Florida's dead body would the Seminoles <laughs> be be entering the um, entering the SEC. Although I'm certainly not saying I'm right here, but about a year ago, last summer, that was one of the biggest questions I had when this really was per- started percolating in a in a bigger way after um, USC in UCLA after the news of them going to the, to the big 10. And from what I gathered, it was not as big of a hurdle as maybe people thought in that. I think a lot of legwork had been done to maybe get past that, uh, politically. And also, um, the, the, the feeling that I get is that it's above the heads almost of South Carolina, Florida, Maybe Georgia as well for competitive reasons. Tennessee, you could argue, doesn't want Clemson or or Florida State in its conference. Do, do you think that's that that's kind of a joke, or are you do you think there might be some credence to that? That maybe that has been somewhat resolved. Would would you be surprised to hear that? I guess uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I can understand why the politicians would want to try to work on that, but I'm certain that. 10 years ago, or a little more, when this came around, when Florida State and Clemson were thinking about trying to get out, that this was a a major factor. Now, I can, if I was a Florida State partisan, I would work very hard to try to to adjust that because, uh, I mean, obviously any school that could would take a invitation from the sec i mean that contract is absolutely irresistible so yeah if i was if i was thinking about florida state athletics i would be working on that um for sure uh so that doesn't surprise me that there was effort whether it succeeded or not is something i'm not privy to 
People have very short memories. Um, I think uh, a recent instance of that was the reaction to Florida State uh, popping off a few weeks ago. Uh, its board of trustees and its president on the uh, infamous now uh, YouTube <laughs> uh, meeting. Uh, the reaction in a lot of quarters was, "Oh my God, this is amazing! How are they? Why are they doing this? And I've never seen anything like this." And and my point at the time was. Uh, they just did that in February, basically the same, <laughs> the same thing, uh, and basically saying, hey, we, we, we need a better deal or we're going to look to get out. It, it was really nothing that new. So if people maybe didn't remember something that happened this year, they're gonna, their memories of things that happened a decade of, ago are going to be especially hazy. And that's one of the reasons I, wanna, I wanted to have you on here is some of the play-by-play um, of the realignment stuff back then. You were the chancellor at North Carolina from 2008 to 2013. You were the chair of the Council of Presidents. What was the time span on that? Uh, it was the um, school year, the my last year in Chapel Hill, 12, the 12-13 school year. Wow. So it was, it was the year that we added, that Maryland left, that we added Louisville, that we added Notre Dame, and that we did the Grant of Rights deal. Pretty big year. <laughs> yeah, it was a big year. Uh, it was pure coincidence. I mean, I think another thing people don't maybe don't get is that, uh, at least the way the ACC does it, the person who's the chair of the Council of Presidents just rotates year by year, and it just happened to be that my year came up then. So, you know, some people would say, okay, you were having these other problems with athletics. How did you end up in there? Yeah, um, and uh, the answer to that is just dumb luck. So, give me, can you give me, an, give us an idea of the status of of chair of that council? What does that mean in terms of just practical day to day stuff on big decisions? Well, some years it doesn't mean anything except that you host the meeting one time, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I think the way we used to do it, we'd have one meeting at the ACC tournament in Greensboro or wherever it happened to be, and then we'd have another meeting on the campus of the person who happened to be the chair. So some years where there's not a whole lot going on, you know, it it could be kind of a non-event to be the chair of the the Council of Presidents. Uh, That turned out not to be the case my year. So, um, you know, it, it, but it's, it's the system, which I think works well, gives the commissioner one person to talk to about, uh, things at least to begin with. And then the, the chair and the commissioner can strategize about how to bring the other members of the, uh, of the, of the council of presidents, uh, along on various things that are happening. You know, it's interesting. John Swafford gets crucified for a lot of things, uh, but from a by a lot of people, uh, including a lot of Clemson fans. And not saying the guy made every correct decision. Uh, certainly, I'm, I'm not uh, painting myself as a Swafford fanboy. But one point I often have to make is that the presidents play a large role in this so if you're gonna blame if you're gonna spread the you know assess blame you you need to spread it around a little bit beyond one person who was sitting there in greensboro you know he's not 
pulling the puppet strings nearly as much as the commissioner is not pulling the puppet strings nearly as much as, as, as people might think. Is that, is that a pretty much accurate, uh, based on your well, experiences? Yeah. I mean, he, he can't do anything unless the presidents approve it. Right. So, um, and so, you know, there could be perfectly logical things that he would want to do that he can't get the votes on. That's, that's entirely possible. Um, so I, I agree with that. And I also, you know, I, I guess I would have a different viewpoint. I think the ACC could have collapsed right then. And I think the only reason that it didn't was because Swafford did some very shrewd things. Um, and I think getting the grant of rights deal done, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like to say, oh, we shouldn't have done the Notre Dame deal because they didn't join in football. Well, Notre Dame's never going to join a conference in football. Never. Mm. And um, I, 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 you know, there's a grotto, there's a gold dome, and there's independence in football. And these things, <laughs> it's, 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 it's integral to who they are. So the deal we took with Notre Dame was really good for the TV contract. And um, I think that was a really smart move to do that. Um, and, uh, and I think adding Louisville, I mean, that's who Clemson and Florida State wanted. So I don't get any Clemson fan being upset that we added Louisville. That's, that's, that was their choice. And, in fact, you know, I had to work the phones uh, with some of the other presidents to get that. And I did that because I wanted, uh, the, you know, Clemson and Florida State to be happy since they were the main source of, of, of our football revenue. I think the most recent thing people are pissed off at Swafford over is the current grant of rights, not the first one that was signed in 13, I guess, and that was re redone in 16. But I, but, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't. I was gone by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm not asking you to answer for that. I think the the most interesting thing is the the play by play of realignment. You know, starting in. I mean, well, I guess you could say it started back in 2004, when when as you call him Ninja Swaff, mm-hmm. uh, pulled off the the acquisitions of of Virginia Tech, uh, Miami. And, and Boston College, but can we go to 2010? Was it 2000? I know 2011 was a big summer, but I, I think I recall 2010 there being lots of sort of lots of rumblings on the realignment front as well. Am I misremembering? Uh, yeah, I'd have to think through about the years, but there was one year where it might have been 10, where um, that was when we added. Pitt and Syracuse. Well, 11, and 11, to, I remember, I'll, I'll never forget where I was when I heard that news. That was, Clemson was playing Auburn uh, early in the 11 season. So I think, I think, I think it was the summer of 11 when all the big stuff was going on. Yeah. Okay. So, um, can, right. Ahead. Yeah. And I wasn't the chair then. So, right. um, you know, I, uh, the athletic directors, there was a group that, considered new um, additions, and we were represented by the athletic director on that. And uh, Dick Pador called me at some some point, and I didn't really, I don't know, I hadn't really been focused on it and said, 
the presidents are about to get a recommendation to add Pitt and Syracuse. And uh, it was a pretty well-baked deal by the time it got to me. So just trying to paint the picture of, of, of you, you're the chancellor, you had taken over two or three years earlier, not a big sports guy, I, I take it. And as, as you have said, um, your main objective, supposedly, you thought, was to make North Carolina the next MIT. And you really, athletics wasn't really, uh, wasn't really in the ballpark in your mind, but things quickly changed in, in terms of not just overall, but in Chapel Hill, when you learned that big-time sports uh, was maybe the thrust of, of what everybody was wanting to do. Am I getting that right? Well, I'd say what I learned was that, um, that the relative priority of athletics compared to academics was among enough stakeholders that it mattered different from what I thought. <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of presidents go through this. And um, there, it was a, that was a very hard message to bring to the campus, partly because of the history. I mean, there's this folklore about, you know, uh, Bill Acock firing Frank McGuire because he was he was uh, sketchy uh, with some of his practices and hiring Dean Smith, thinking that, you know, he was hiring Dean Smith to restore integrity to the program, not necessarily to become uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time and build Carolina basketball into what it became. Uh, and then there was a, there's another legend about Bill Friday killing a basketball game called the Dixie Classic. And these are all things that have taken on this enormous significance uh, in terms of kind of the, the legend of UNC athletics as being these huge statements where integrity and academics were put above winning. Um, and so when, and, and then Carolina made it for 50 years without really having to confront these things. Uh, part of that was just dumb luck. Uh, the NCAA never picked up on some things that were going on. And part of it was, was excellent management as well. But the truth is, you know, Carolina was winning um, the same way a lot of schools win, which is with great difficulty uh, managing all these competing priorities. And so I just happened to be the person sitting in the chair when all of this stuff kind of came together and people had to recognize that this legend that that Carolina was this place that that somehow magically won all these games without having the same problems as all these other schools uh where that sort of house of cards came tumbling down and the turmoil that happened was really you know watching the campus go through the process of accepting the fact that uh, this intoxicating uh, idea that you got to enjoy these games without uh, having the moral and moral conflicts that come with intercollegiate athletics, that that didn't work anymore. And um, I think we, you know, I think the good news is that, that I, I really doubt we're going to hear Carolina people talking in the kind of 
mythological way that they used to talk about all this, I would be really discouraged if that ever happened. Um, because I think that's the process that we went through. And, you know, I don't think that, that Clemson has the same challenge. I think not, there's nobody at Clemson who doesn't realize that they're going to try to be really, really good in football and that, that that's a major institutional priority and that it comes with a lot of compromises and sacrifices that not everybody's crazy about. You're alluding to the NCAA enforcement and scrutiny that came uh, when when you were uh, in charge. Can you remember the precise point that you thought to yourself, pardon my French, holy shit, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yeah, I would say, um, I don't know about the precise moment, but um, when... Uh, when we, when it all broke, um, that, you know, we had all of those players who had extra benefits challenges, which of course, ironically now wouldn't even exist yeah. because, uh, that that's all changed. But at that time, those things were against the rules. Uh, and that, uh, we had, um, a tutor who was, cutting corners um academically and you know we had a press conference and we're sitting there watching espn and all this stuff is on the crawl like when you get on the espn crawl and it's not about just how the games came out that's probably when you realize that uh your life has just been taken over by something else that you didn't that you didn't have on your work plan. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the 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 tutor who was also, I guess, the 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 nanny for for was it for Butch Davis or one of the assistants? No, it was for Coach for, Davis. For Davis, yeah. okay. And um, yeah, the hard that hard to defend. I'm just curious what in the moment what his responses were to all this, and was that did that. Did North? I mean, from what I recall, North Carolina's approach was: we need to be transparent with everything. We're going to put it all out on the table. Did that conflict with maybe what Butch Davis and the football staff uh, thought how to best handle it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was that was a real challenge because um, I think most schools. Uh, and I think UNC now, if they went through this, something similar, would have played it very differently. Um, and that is to, you know, be aggressive fighting it. Yeah. Um, and again, the reason we didn't do that was we were carrying, you know, this history uh, and also a serious political challenge because, you know, you may be right that Florida and Florida State have come to a better understanding about whether they can cooperate or not. But the <clears throat> you have to remember that, uh, you know, North Carolina State and UNC are bitter rivals in, in many ways, ironically not the chancellors. Um, Jim Oblinger and, and Randy Woodson were both 
amazing and important colleagues of mine. Um, but the fans and the partisans for the two schools on the governing board, you know, have a pretty bitter uh, competition. And so um, they were smelling blood that UNC was in trouble after, you know, NC State had been in trouble uh, earlier. And so that is a backdrop to the whole thing. So you have that, and then you have this history with Mr. Friday and the Dixie Classic and all that stuff. Um, and so that all had to be broken through. And mm. I think in the end, we, we, we did it. it. It meant that, you know, as I, as I tell people, I had to take all that bad karma and put it in the back of my car and drive it across the Mississippi River. Um, cause I moved to St. Louis, <laughs> uh, eventually. Um, but, uh, but I do think that we got to a place now and certainly the way UNC handled the situation with the NCAA eventually at the end, after I left, when they relitigated the whole thing, you know, they took a very aggressive posture and they, um, they succeeded at uh, you know not getting any more sanctions, there's a whole set of facts that that made that feasible. That um, you know, is topic for a different time, I guess. But uh, uh, you know, I think from here on, I think people are much better equipped to accept the fact that that Carolina, when it comes to athletics and its culture, are no different than any other. School that is wildly successful in the same way that they are, or even wants to be wildly successful in the same way that they are. Um, but that was not we had to we had to get a lot of people through that, um, and there are still people for sure who are not wild about it. But I don't think I think if all this blew up again, I think um, or they had some other problem. I think they would be very aggressive with the NCAA, just like any other school would be. Okay, summer of 2011, the Big 12 looks like it could be about to implode because Texas, Oklahoma, and others look like they could be headed to the Pac-12. Um, not sure people now understand just how monumental it was that things remain the same, um, that, that, those thing, those, that that movement did not happen in the moment as a as a university chancellor or president you are working to make sure you're going to be in a good spot and you have said before that North Carolina could have gone to the SEC and the Big 10 is that am i getting that right well i don't i mean i i don't know for a fact we could have gone to the Big 10 i think that um i'm certain we could have gone to the SEC um, but here's the problem that Carolina has. Uh, if you, if Carolina jumps um, without NC State, the political cost of that would be, I, I think, almost insurmountable um, because of this bitter rivalry that that exists. Um, and if Carolina jumped and got the big SEC or Big Ten money, and NC State didn't get that. Uh, I just don't think that's politically feasible. Uh, and if you if you jump and you don't take Duke, 
then you're kind of messing up the Duke Carolina basketball rivalry. I mean, what are they going to do? Play a game on New Year's Eve or something like that? Um, it's, they're not going to play, you know, two huge games and probably, I don't know, uh, 20 or 5 or th- percent or so chance that they're going to play again in the ACC tournament, usually in the finals. Um, and so going without Duke is, is, you know, making a major change to the history of, of men's basketball. Um, and so <laughs> neither of those sound very fun. And so, you know, we came to the conclusion that the best thing to do was to try to strengthen the ACC as much as we could. But you, based on your relationships with the presidents in the SEC, you had a good feeling that North Carolina, that the, that the, the, the door was open for North yeah, Carolina? I do. I think Carolina still has a lot of options even now. I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a prize. I mean, obviously they haven't had as much success in football as they would like, but they still have a huge fan base, um, an extraordinary identity. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm not privy to all the conversations and don't want to be, but um, I, I still think Carolina's in a very strong spot and they got a great chancellor and great athletic director who are smart. And um, I'm not overly worried about what would happen to, to Carolina uh, in all of this. I'm fascinated by how these conversations happen, how schools are able to get reliable sort of <laughs> information and 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 a and a an accurate sense of what could happen. Um, I mean, it's not like right now. I don't think uh, Clemson's president is calling up Greg Sankey and saying, "Hey, man, would you be interested?" Uh, or or calling up uh, the commissioner of the, of the the Big Ten and saying the same thing. It sounds like it's much more you're piecing things together based on relationships, based on people who's uh, who's who, who you think you can trust. I mean, that, but all this happens amid the backdrop of the most cutthroat game that's involved, the most every man for himself sort of culture that permeate that that is that permeates the college athletics world now far more than ever so my what fascinates me is how do you get a good handle on accurate uh information and 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 sort of intelligence i guess on where you could end up is it just purely or i guess was it in your case purely just the relationships that you had with sec presidents yeah i mean look most of the time these things are stable um, and you're not thinking about this. And then you have these sort of moments that come along where all of a sudden this is what everybody's working on. I mean, I sent out, a, when, when UCLA and, and, and USC jumped, I sent out a tweet that night saying, I feel bad for all the college presidents who had plans for the weekend. <laughs> okay, because uh, all of a sudden, you know, their phone's on fire um, because, their fans and, and trustees are calling them saying, do something, do something. And, um, you know, they're working the phone. So, you know, the, th- the thing about college athletics that, um, and Jim Delaney uh, gave me a lot of <laughs> tutoring on this. 
is that when you're hiring a coach or you're changing conferences or whatever, these things happen so much faster than anything else that happens at a university. Like, you know, if you decide to make a change in a football coach, you know, you usually have two or three days to decide who the new one's going to be, max, right? Um, and so everybody's, like, going over these decisions, and they're just made unbelievably quickly. I mean, crazily quickly. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's a, that's a dynamic here as well that I think is um, sometimes missed, that, you know, people, the sports, the message board guys and the sports people, you know, go over and over these decisions to hire this coach or make this move. And they're not thinking about the fact that <laughs> the people who did that, you know, had 24 hours to decide what to do. Right. Uh, because these things tend to explode on you, you know. Can I trot out a theory for you? Sure. Ten years ago, we were in such a different place in that I could understand, you know, Florida's resistance or South Carolina's resistance having more pull in that now you could make a strong argument that it's not the Big Ten Conference anymore. It's the Fox Conference and that it's not the SEC anymore it's the espn and cbs conference i guess you could say the logic being the networks <laughs> they're going to be a lot less interested in oh we're going to hurt south carolina's feelings or or the feelings in gainesville if we bring these two teams in i i just think the uh, the the branding and the the, the matchups the inventory all of that put together supersedes the political aspects of it that might might have been very applicable 10 years ago does does that are you buying some of that yeah i i think that certainly head has changed dramatically um and but i uh but then if you push that analogy even further now you have to say all right what economically does the sec get if they add these schools, you know, Clemson and, and, and Tallahassee aren't big TV markets. The markets that they would bring are already covered by Gainesville and, and Columbia. <laughs> so it's not that. So then the question is, you know, is, a, is an in-conference Florida, Florida State game or um, whatever it is that you're imagining how much does that add to the value of the contract? I mean, that's yeah. really the only thing that matters. And I don't have all those calculations. Um, somebody does. And, and I guarantee you uh, the networks and, and probably the athletic directors have run those numbers and know the answer to that. So the, the question, if you, if you take the position that you're taking, which is, and I agree with this. And now, the only thing that matters is <clears throat> the value of the TV contract after you make this change compared to what it was before. Then that's probably a straightforward thing to calculate. Yeah, the the it just seems like there's this sort of tug of war between branding and market, and I think both are very important. And I that's what I tell Clemson fans 
fairly regularly that, hey, uh, if the SEC went into the North Carolina and Virginia markets, that's a big deal because that's instant money because that means you go from making, uh, say, Ten cent per subscriber who who has the SEC network to something like a dollar fifty. I could my numbers could be wrong, but I'm just saying. Right. You extrapolate that 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 presents ESPN with something they do not have right now, or really nobody has right now, and that is instant money. You know, a lot of this stuff is just projecting years and years and years into the future. So I certainly well, think. Well, that's that's why the Rutgers and um, Maryland thing happened. Yeah. I mean. That was all about the New Jersey and D.C. television markets. Upstate foodies. Want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willie Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos. Literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willy Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky fresh fusion. It's the Willy Way. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. What would be different right now? What would things look like right now had Texas and Oklahoma gone to the Pac-12? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, if they, who knows? I mean, it would have created more chaos. So would the ACC have been able to hold together then? Who knows? Um, I, I, it's hard to, to know because even then when we were contemplating this and talking about it, the fact that Texas and Oklahoma were so far from us or so far from the Pac-12, kind of everybody thought, you know, what? why, why would we – spread this thing out geographically that much well that obviously that's gone right there is no as i as i've also tweet, tweeted you know geography is so 2012 <laughs> <laughs> um uh it doesn't matter anymore um and uh but it did then you know people were still thinking about that there was a lot of talk back then i think it was that summer of 11 maybe 12 it was back when Florida State threatened to go to the Big 12. And I heard some, it sounded like actual more information. It, it sounded like there was, it was more than just rumor that 
West Virginia was trying to the, – the, the idea was instead of just West Virginia going to the Big 12, you get like a block of schools from, the, from, the, from this region, Georgia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, uh, maybe the North Carolina schools. And so, therefore, the travel issues aren't nearly as pronounced. What do you remember from that part of the conversation? And do, did you think at the time that it was a viable thing? I don't, re- I don't remember that. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I do remember worrying about Georgia Tech. Um, I think it would be, I think Georgia Tech, you know, given how strong they are as a university and the Atlanta TV market and um, all of that is a very important part of the ACC. So I would, wor- I would, would worry that they would be enticed to do something. But, um, and I do kind of remember that coming around, but not, not in any serious way. Of course, people, people trash the ACC for not being visionary, for not thinking big and and coming up with outside the box ideas. That though is based on the premise that they have, they haven't tried. We don't know that they, they haven't tried anything over the last decade they could have swung and missed you know they could have i've argued that you know if maybe they tried with texas or oklahoma uh we've learned recently that they spent the last year um trying to figure something out with the pac-12 some sort of alliance there when you were around were there any um talks of 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 maybe some expansion that did not happen uh not that i know of um you know like i said these things tend to come in these massive explosions. They don't, during the quiet times, you know, you're just going along doing your thing. Um, so there are plenty of years, you know, in the, in the five years that I was there, there was one year where this was intense. And the other four years, we were just playing our games and, having our tournaments and doing our thing. I, I think the, the thing about the, about the ACC that's much simpler than all this is that uh, the difference in revenue between football and basketball has just changed so dramatically. Um, and so the ACC used to be the premier basketball conference. It probably still is. Uh back when basketball and football weren't that different. And, you know, I, I, I mostly, when I was younger, only followed basketball. So to me, Clemson is, is Tree Rollins school and Horace Grant. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not taken away from the extraordinary success they've had in football. Obviously that's been good for the ACC and good for, good for Clemson. Um, so I think the ACC, you know, went through this transition has, has been going through this transition that's happened in all of college sports, which has to do with the, the revenue differential that, um, obtains between basketball and football, which is much bigger now than it was, um, even 10 years ago. And certainly before that, when Pitt and Syracuse were announced, I remember, talking with a trustee here who said, uh, <laughs> who basically said, 
I'm okay with it as long as our next edition helps us in football. West Virginia is an interesting uh, topic here. Was there ever any consideration of West Virginia in that during that time? Yeah, I forgot. That's when West Virginia went from the Big East to the Big 12, right? Yep. Yeah, so there was a time when Cincinnati, UConn, West Virginia were all in the conversation. Um, if I remember, I can't remember whether West Virginia had gone to the Big 12 by the time we added Louisville. But, um, you know, had, it, was wi- yeah. it was widely reported when we added Louisville that UConn and Cincinnati were also trying to um, get us to invite them. And uh, Clemson and Florida State were adamant that they wanted Louisville. And uh, Swafford and I felt that keeping them happy with football uh, was critically important. And so we got everybody uh, eventually on board with adding Louisville. Um, So the West Virginia thing... That must have happened before. Yeah, it was. I think that was summer yeah. of 11 as well. Yeah. It, I've always thought that the Louisville edition was sort of a concession that, yeah, West Virginia probably would have been better than Syracuse and or Pitt. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm a huge fan of Pitt generally. Mm-hmm. Um, they're an excellent university. And Mark Nordenberg, who was the chancellor then, was a great colleague. So, um, I don't know. I was pretty excited about adding Pitt. How about Syracuse? And, you know, Syracuse. Well, it was about, it was that's a basketball thing, and um, you know, um, I think there was still some some notion that being the greatest basketball conference was something that we didn't want to lose. Which explains the there was a significant push for UConn, right? Yeah, there was. Um, there was a significant push for UConn. Um, but, um, you know, that was a football-driven decision. It just... I, don't I mean, know. ironic, it was a football-driven decision, but then Louisville won a championship right after <laughs> we added them in basketball. What strikes me here is it, it's just this, this feeling that it still, take, it still took maybe still takes ACC schools so long to come around to the idea that 80% of the revenue comes from football that I mean, even that, I mean, UConn really, I, I don't under, I don't understand that as, as late as, as 2013, that that was still something y'all had to fight hard to, to combat. Yeah, it's true. The grant of right. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, you go ahead. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's a huge thing that that was part of the situation at UNC because, of course, the problems we had started with football and um, James Mazur and Dick Bedore had made a decision that we were going to hire Butch Davis and go big in football. And I think that was something that um, was hard for the university to digest in a way. Um, you know, <laughs> I, there were plenty of people who said to me, you know, why are you going through all this? Carolina's a basketball school. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the one thing I would never recommend to anyone who's leading the University of North Carolina or their athletics program is to say out loud that we're a basketball school. Uh, the football fans don't want to hear that. And, um, and uh, I learned what happens when you do that. Yeah, it's pretty painful. <laughs> We had Jim Barker on last week. He was heavily involved in the courtship of Notre Dame. How involved were you in that at the time? Yeah, well, I um, Swafford, uh, right. So was Jim the chair before I was? I believe so. Yeah. Um, So uh, Swafford was pretty far along with Notre Dame by the time I became the chair. Um, I was technically the chair when we signed the deal and, uh, the, the vote was taken actually at my residence. Hmm. Um, so I remember it extremely well. And, um, it was also, uh, it was also at a time when it was obvious Maryland was going to bail, um, although that didn't happen for a few more weeks or months after that. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was presented with the deal mostly, um, but I did, uh, I think I must have met John Jenkins before that, but I spent a significant amount of time with him when we were working all that out. Did it surprise you to hear that Notre Dame was able to have a f- full vote on expansion um, in the matter of Stanford, Cal, possibly SMU, when they're sort of only halftime in the biggest, clearly the biggest uh, sport? I mean, look, it, it's, I'm sure, I know it frustrates, uh, I'm sure, Clemson and Florida State to no end. Um, but five games with Notre Dame is probably economically just as good as having Clemson and Florida State and any other school as full members. I mean, that's just the way the economics work. So if it's about the value of the contract, then the Notre Dame deal uh, enhances the contract an awful lot. So why wouldn't they get a a full vote? (laughs) I get why people are frustrated with it. But again, as we've been talking about, this comes down to the money. And so the question is, what's that contract worth with the Notre Dame deal as it is compared to what it would be without it? And the answer is that that's a big bump. Yeah. Even though the, the grant of rights thing gets, gets, uh, gets ripped now, I always like to take myself back into the time that it was the circumstances uh, when it was agreed to, the first grant of rights was in 13, and that was a result of Maryland leaving and only having to pay. What did they actually, the ex, the exophy was the only thing they had to pay, and it was it was listed at, it was con, contractually it was $50 million, but they ended up negotiating it way down. Is that right? I can't remember where it ended up, but there was a settlement, yeah. Um, that ha- that all happened after I left. And but, the, yeah, we, we, um, we felt... I mean the the and every other conference had the grant of rights, so we we had to have that. I mean that was the crucial thing in, in keeping the ACC together. And it took, I think you said it took a year to get it done because obviously it has to be unanimous. 
Well, we talked about it for a long time. I mean, um, when we finally got down to getting everybody on board, that was only a matter of a few weeks. But the talk about it was uh, significant, and we knew as long as Maryland was there, they weren't going to vote for it. I mean, that's how we knew they were going to bail. So it, it took Maryland leaving before we had an opening to do it. And there were two de- sort of stragglers or detractors who didn't want to sign it. The, was that, I think you said it was Florida State and Virginia? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, it, it, we, we got them on board. I, I think that uh, a, a better analysis would be that it took more effort to get them on board and we hadn't done it. <laughs> uh, but Swafford was able to get both schools to agree obviously and you you told Swafford hey you need to get on a plane and go to Tallahassee and Charlottesville uh, I did yeah because the presidents told me they weren't quite there um I think both of the presidents wanted to do the deal um but their boards were for different reasons um you know needed to be needed to be uh courted more than we had done this, and that's that's not an uncommon dynamic in higher education that you would have a president that wants to do something and they they need your help convincing their board that it's a good idea. Well, that's a really good entry into one of the recent big topics, and that is the ACC expanding and adding those two or three schools. Um, sounds like you have some schools whose a- ADs are a no and the presidents are a yes and then you get into the boards and all that what do you make i don't know if it's past tense yet or not i think it is what did you make what do you make of this idea to go and grab stanford and cal and maybe snu yeah so uh i i I, i'm not looking at all the numbers so you know you have from an academic point of view, I mean, Stanford and Cal are two of the four or five best research universities in America and maybe even the world. So you have a lot of people who are academics that would like to be in a club with the two of them. Um, but I doubt that the San Francisco TV market or the um, – you know, the value of football inventory with those two schools is such that it adds anything to the contract. I I don't know. Somebody would have to analyze that. And then you have, I don't know if you saw Anson Dorrance yesterday, but, (laughs) um, you know, Anson Dorrance and I, uh, there are a lot of coaches that, that I had a close relationship with, you know, obviously coach Williams and, and Mike Fox and, Karen Shelton and but Anson <laughs> Anson and I have always gotten along really really well um and I just laughed so hard when I saw uh <laughs> that interview it's classic Anson Dorrance he's like this is my competitor their school's in trouble uh as far as their athletics program so let's let's crush them <laughs> <laughs> um, at least he's honest yeah <laughs> so I mean uh, I texted him and said, man, that is awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I think people who, and there, and this was a big dynamic at UNC with everything that went down, is a lot of people j- just 
a lot of Carolina people especially at that time, and maybe less so now, wanted to believe that there was some wholesome, positive thing about college sports. Uh, and it's not. It's a viciously competitive endeavor. Uh, and, you know, when you go, I've been in the huddle with a lot of Hall of Fame coaches, and they're not in there saying, oh, go out there and be your best and, you know, <laughs> achieve what they're saying, go out there and beat the crap out of them. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, it's a negative, highly competitive athletes have a negative motivation, not a positive motivation. It's about destroying the other team. And um, Anson's, and Anson has always been at the top of the list of people who are not afraid to, to say that that's uh, his goal. And Stanford is his arch enemy. So, of course, he wants Stanford to just burn. <laughs> and, and um, you know, that's a, probably don't have a lot of Clemson people that, that don't get this. But there certainly, when I became chancellor at UNC, were a lot of Carolina people who, who had some unrealistic view of how all this works. And, uh, you know, it's especially true in women's athletics. I mean, when this whole thing blew up with Angel Reese, uh, and Bill Tate used to work for me. He's the president of LSU, and he's a really good friend of mine also. And I thought, you know, I thought his comments when people were saying that Angel Reese was, you know, being inappropriate or something like that. I mean, first of all, if it was a men's basketball game, nobody would have been saying that. And second of all, what do they think <laughs> they're right. doing out there? Right, <laughs> they're not out. There. It's not a junior league bridge game. It's it's a highly competitive, uh, uh, big time sporting event where the players are motivated by making sure that the other team suffers. I mean, they want them to cry at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> It's not tiddlywinks. It's not. No. It's not. Go, go play intramurals, brother, as right. Dan, Dan Hawkins so, said. And so my buddy Bill Tate, you know, when people asked him about that thing, he said, "Yeah, uh, okay. If you don't like that, just go beat her." Right, and that was exactly the right thing to say because it was, he was supporting his person and he was teaching people something about about big time women's basketball which is that it's it's just like big time men's basketball <laughs> um and uh so i was proud of him for doing that dorance's words yesterday were a bit out of the chain of command <laughs> i'm i'm i mean obviously he's achieved so much he just doesn't give a rip but my first thought was Jim Phillips on line one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder what uh, it was like to be a fly, a fly on his wall when he saw what, what Dorrance said. I have no idea. I mean, but yes, it, Anson Dorrance is the most, depending on how you want to tote it up, the most successful college athletics coach of all time. Um, and so he gets to do that. So... If I'm getting this right, I'm going to consult your institutional knowledge on the vote for or against expansion. And as I understood it, at first it was three hardline no's, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. And then NC State came around 
gradually. Obviously, or at least I don't think you are familiar with the inner workings of, of that particular episode, but just based on your institutional knowledge, what was your interpretation of, or what would be your interpretation of NC State coming around uh, to be sort of the, I guess, would be deciding vote on uh, on on going against expansion? Uh, well, I think NC State and UNC, you know, given the close relationship between Kevin and Randy, are going to travel together. And I, and that was also true between me and Kevin and Ra- me and me and Randy. So I, I'm not sure I would read that much more into it. Hmm. Yeah. So you don't you don't really buy into the things have reached a point now where it's just sort of every man for himself, and it's about survival. It's about not being thirty to fifty million dollars behind your uh, behind your competitors, and that. You would you would not buy into the 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 theory of North Carolina if 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 the Big Ten came calling for North Carolina and Virginia. You, you don't th- you think North Carolina would stick w- would be entangled with the NC State relationship so much the political uh, entanglement so much that that you would not you cannot see them going solo w- without um, NC State. I, I've. Uh, things could have changed. I mean, they could have, but certainly 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been something that was politically feasible. Interesting. So I can't, I can't um, answer for Kevin and Randy now. That's up to them. And those are two guys that I really, really trust. So um, I trust them to work that out. Uh, But I would say, it would be very hard for North Carolina to get a big check from the SEC or the Big Ten and NC State not get the same check. That would be politically very challenging, I'm sure. Years and years ago, Jim Barker was. And I, I, I got to go in two minutes. I got to oh. go in two minutes. All right, Jim Barker said last week that he thinks the whole thing, the NCAA, the athletic college athletics enterprise, needs to be blown up, start from scratch. What do you think needs to happen? Yeah, it's, it's easy for guys like Jim and me who aren't in, in, immersed in it to say that. Um, yes, it would be great if that happened, but I don't think it will. I think that there's just too much money at stake and there's just too much um, too much emphasis on what's going to ha- happen right now that um, – taking the plane up to 30,000 feet and, and trying to retool all this. I'm not sure there's a practical way to do that. And if there were, there's no leader. <laughs> yeah. You get, you got, you know, you got, let's say there's, I don't know, 50 or 60 schools that are powerful enough to do this. How are you going to get them all to work, to want to do the same thing? That, that would be, challenging to do Holden you've been extremely generous with your time I can't thank you enough this has been a fantastic conversation I really appreciate it happy to do it Larry thanks for all you're doing thank you so much wow love the history love the honest look at that history and of course appreciate his perspective on current affairs we're gonna have to have him back on at some point appreciate the support of our sponsors as usual for helping to make this happen including our newest Willie Taco. 
And of course, thanks to every single one of you for hitting that play button every week. We are eternally grateful for the loyalty. Cheers. Cheers.